Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into The Nightingale in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. The Nightingale is a new movie, uh, sort of. It's technically a 2018 film uh, from festival runs and early screenings and things like that, but mostly coming to theaters in now, last week or two. Uh, it's gone a little wider than you know the main uh, New York and LA types of markets. Uh, the Nightingale is directed by Jennifer Kent. That name feels at all familiar. Uh, she is the director of The Babadook back from 2014, which is five years ago now. I remember the buzz around The Babadook. I remember, you know, hailed as the next big horror movie, the, you know, everything they said about Hereditary and Us. Uh, a lot of that was also said about The Babadook. And I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, I rated it fairly highly when I saw it back in December of 2014. And after watching The Nightingale, I'm ex I, I kind of want to go revisit it again. Because, one, I, I, I feel like I'd like The Nightingale more, and it's currently rated lower than The Babadook. Uh, but two, I was really fascinated by a lot of the stuff that Jennifer Kent does in The Nightingale, and I want to see if I can sort of pick up what that was if, if any of that was in the Babadook and uh, kind of I don't know try try to understand it a little bit more and five years later I, I've seen a lot more movies and I want to I want to I want to check it out again I want to check it out again that said uh, I did very much like the Babadook and I also very much liked the Nightingale it's a fairly long film uh, a little over two hours and about two hours and 15 minutes long it stars the uh, stars uh aisling franciosi i'm sure i butchered that sam claflin damon harriman ewan leslie gary harry greenwood bikali ganambar and magnolia memuru among others uh those names are to varying degrees of main slash supporting performances. The main story takes place in the early 1800s, uh, following Aisling, who is a, plays Claire. Uh, she's an Irish convict, and is, at the start of the film, basically owned by Sam Claflin's character, who is a British soldier, British lieutenant. And she is trying, she's been trying to work off her freedom. She wants, you know, she has a husband. She wants to, you know, live with him and be with him. And yet, Claflin continues to tell her, no, uh, you're mine. And uh, you'll be free when I say you are. So, kind of reading between the lines, never. So, uh, early on in the film, there are some pretty heinous acts that take place. I won't get into them. They are very traumatic and difficult to watch. The film is not easy and uh, really tries its best to make you look away. But suffice to say, bad things happen to Claire. And she is kind of left on her own. 
And so she enlists the help of an Aboriginal tracker. The film takes place uh, in Tas in the Tasmanian wilderness, and she find she gets the help of an ab Aboriginal tracker to follow the British soldiers that have left and uh, get revenge. Kind of a revenge film. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot more going on than simply revenge, but that is a huge theme throughout the film. Uh, and that's that's kind of it. This all, uh, the revenge plotline, you know, it comes on very early, and we spend almost two hours doing it. For such a long movie, I, and definitely after what happens in the early parts of the film, I expected this to be very brutal. I expected, uh, the, the following parts of it at least, the, the revenge, you know, tracking part of it, expected to be very brutal, expected to be very difficult to watch, and... I don't know, uh, not quite gore porn or torture porn, but but maybe veer into that every once in a while. And I think, uh, to Jennifer Kent's credit, she managed to manages to avoid those elements quite a bit. Uh, I won't say that there is nothing else uh, uh, despicable that takes place after you know the early parts of the movie because that's not true, but. It does feel th there's a lot of intent behind everything that's on the screen. Uh, Claire's story, that is the one we are following, but the film pays a lot of attention to uh, Claflin's uh, Hawkins, Hawkins, the lieutenant. It pays a lot of attention to the people in his group who are, you know, off on their own. And it pays a lot of attention to Billy, uh, who Maganda uh, or something, uh, his name... His actual name is is Maganda. He goes by Billy for most of the film, who is the Aboriginal tracker that's traveling with Claire, and you know helping her through this unknown jungle of the Tasmanian wilderness. And I there are there are a lot of different angles and avenues that the film chooses to explore that I wouldn't have expected it to. Uh, there is a relationship between. Uh, Claflin's Hawkins and a young boy who is traveling with them that I loved um, it's really frustrating and you know but but and and the movie doesn't like focus on it it doesn't spend a lot of time on that relationship but we get just enough here and there uh, for that relationship to build and for that to become meaningful and it shows an you know, if, if so much of this movie is showing the despicable acts and of, of the British soldiers, uh, you know, the, the white devils, as they are often referred to throughout the film, this is another, you know, this is a situation and uh, an effect of their presence that you generally don't, you know, you couldn't get from just looking at this film through Claire and Billy's eyes. You know, Claire gives you the female perspective, the white to be specific the white female perspective uh, Billy gives you the black male perspective uh, there are, as another character I think it's Magnolia Memuru's character uh, who gives us the black female's perspective uh, on white soldiers and then you have this boy who gives you the young white male perspective on what the soldiers do how, how their presence and how their uh, widespread impact uh, affects everything everything 
There is nothing untouched by British hands in this movie. It, it People, young and old, places, uh, just, just they, they taint every single thing they touch. And that is, that is at the core of, of the Nightingale. It is, you know, a, 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 a manifesto on the, how just, oh, there's a line, um, it just, it it just, it's, it's unflinching in its presentation of how awful white people are. You know, it's just very straightforward. And they are, uh, historically, yes, they are absolutely terrible people uh, as a whole. Individually, not always, but in this instance, this individual is. This individual is being used to represent colonialism, uh, specifically Australian colonialism, and the terrifying effect that it had on not just the native white but also native aboriginal people that lived uh, in Tasmania Uh, and Claire Claire's not even a native uh, white person so I uh, stepping back hold on I do not know the history of Australia I don't know what you know colonialism is a thing I knew it happened I don't know the specifics beyond that I don't know if there are native white people there may be not weren't so I, I may be off base there uh, I don't know how everyone got there. I don't know, you know, Claire is Irish. I don't know what ended up getting her there. I don't know if she was, you know, how Irish, if you, if you weren't British and you weren't Aboriginal, uh, I guess you were taken as a indentured servant slash slave. I'm not sure. But I do know that uh, colonialism was generally pretty awful. Uh, to most of the people involved on the being colonized side of things. Happened in America, happens in Australia too. And uh, it's a shame. And it's it sucks. And it's really awful. And white people uh, don't have a great history. You know, doesn't matter what continent you're looking at. Uh, white people did did some pretty pretty despicable things, and on the flip side of that, you have Claire. She is white. She is Irish. She is not affiliated uh, with the British soldiers, and in fact is actively against them in this movie. But she is, in some cases, in some scenes, viewed as this as being representative of them as well. You know, Billy initially believes her to be British, thinks that she is just as bad as the other white devils, and she similarly, you know, refers to him as boy. You know, that 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 was just the term that was used. She is rude and and cruel and curt to him. Uh and it's a movie that it does do the you know white person learns not to be racist trope to a degree and there's there's definitely issues there I, I think it doesn't handle that perfectly but 
I think Kent's direction, the writing of these characters, and how it chooses to go about this, how, how it chooses to take care of this narrative is, is so much more sensitively uh, and, and honestly portrayed than most other of the films that use this trope. You look at something like Green Book, you know, not a lot of, you know, difficult scenes to watch in Green Book, uh, but certainly, you know, some, some racist elements are at play. That's kind of what the movie's about. And Nightingale, a lot of things that are difficult to watch, a lot of things that are very racist uh, throughout the film. But what I appreciate about the Nightingale that I didn't really see in something like Green Book is Billy is his own character. He starts out as being mostly a pawn for someone else's use, but grows throughout the film as not only the the film, but the characters within it, specifically Claire, begin to understand who he is. You know, and I, I feel like Green Book never tries to give uh, Mahershala Ali a bigger presence never tries to give him more agency from by the end of the movie uh and where it does try to change him it tries to make him more quote white whereas in this billy doesn't really change you know he's not the the way he is is not a problem it's not a bad thing he is still himself and claire gives him that that's that's poor not not gives him that's that's the wrong way to say it uh she accepts him that way whereas other characters do not not gives accepts makes more sense you know they they talk about the magic and the voodoo and the, and the witch doctor elements of the aboriginal uh people and you know it's it's you know like it's you know you it's disgusting it's filthy it's it's bad it is wrong and throughout this film you know as it progresses billy and claire's relationship grows and changes and evolves and that becomes a thing like his practices his his magic his witchcraft his you know whatever becomes a very you know, it becomes a vis- visible part of him that she accepts. And so I think those parts of the movie really highlight what a difference, you know, good writing can be in a movie about these sensitive issues. Uh, I'm not an authority, so I'm sure many things went over my head uh, that I, I did not catch, whether they're you know things I wouldn't know not being Australian or know anything about that their history uh, as well as not being black and and not being a woman as well so you know I can't I can't speak to those things if I missed them I I saw I I read the film as best as I could right and Claire just like you know I assume many women during this time and not just in Australia but most places was not did not have a good life uh, she was used by the men around her um, her husband at the start of the film 
does seem to be more fair, does seem to be more understanding, more respectful of her than anyone else. But even he, you know, in what we get from him, there's just that aura, there's that attitude of, he, of, you know, I am the man, I know better than you. You know, I see it all the time, right? We see it today. It's everywhere. You, you know, you walk a block, you see it somewhere. Uh, you know, mansplaining is a term for a reason. And her husband in this does, you know, he's admittedly uh, miles better than Sam Claflin's character. But, you know, with such a low bar, uh, you know... There's, there's always, in, in a movie that takes place in the 1800s, there's probably going to be uh, some problems with sexism as much as there is with racism. And Claire and, and the Nightingale try to address that too. You know, and it's not as easy, I think, for this movie to do that. It's, it's tough to, you know, you can't give Claire a position at the end of the movie where she is free in the same sense that you want to uh you know nobody at the end of this movie is is perfect you can't be it's not a you know this is 200 years ago things don't change like that and but what kent is able to do is satisfyingly give us a story that shows us these characters, these these people who have been beaten uh, physically and, you know, figuratively by the world and by the people in the world around them over and over and over and over again and got them, gotten them to a point, position where they can be okay, where they can be happy with something that they've done, where they can feel proud of something that they've done, where they can feel joy and and love for something or someone. And and that is a, a powerful thing. You know, it's it's a hopeful thing. Yeah. To 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 spend your whole life, you know, as a as a slave anywhere uh under any person you know there's there's that element you know there's that aspect of that that has to you know beat out the hope in you and while the aboriginals here are not one for one you know with african slaves that were in the states uh there is definitely a sense of despair that permeates through these characters and giving you know Billy and Claire and by extension you know all aboriginals and and all women this idea that there is hope is is a wonderful I I like that I I like that as painful as it was to get there it's it's a well worth it's well worth the journey and I think that's so much of this move of the Nightingale is the journey. You know, it is overcoming these obstacles. It is 
you know, not only does Claire have to uh, travel travel through the same uh, wilderness that Claflin and his band travel through, she has to travel through it faster, uh, either by shortcuts or speed, which is not easy uh, when you see, you know, where they have to go. And uh, she is not a man. She is not a white man. Neither of the people that are in her party are male or are, are white males. And so that makes it infinitely more difficult to survive every single encounter that they uh, come across from from start to finish of their journey. Uh, whether that's simply, you know, someone that they encounter on the trail, whether that's somebody... Um, in a town, whether that's somebody anywhere. And there's a scene where uh, the two of them come across a, a group of convicts, uh, prisoners under, you know, chains and, you know, a couple of guards with them. And as soon as they hear the chains rattling, Billy hides. He disappears. And it's Claire forced to encounter these people on her own as a woman, a young woman who, you know, she says, you know, my husband's just ahead. My husband's just ahead. And, and the guy's like, where are your papers? You know, we have a lot of uses for you, that kind of thing, that kind of talk. And, you know, when she finally escapes from this situation, Billy shows up again. And, you know, she's pissed at him because she wants him there to, like, protect her. And he knows as well as the viewer knows if it's if he's in, involved, like, if he's there when they show up with, with these other people, he's dead. She's white, which gives her something. And maybe she won't be killed uh, necessarily, but he's dead. And the film doesn't, you know, it makes it very obvious visually. It shows you just how different they are They are before it tells Claire. You know, Claire has to be told that. And I think the visual storytelling is great. Jennifer Kent and, and the editing in the film do a great job of, you know, shifting from action to action to action without pausing in between. Uh, so, for example... Uh, a character, you know, is in a building and says, you know, tomorrow we better get up first thing and get out this way. And the next time we see that character, they're already up, they're already traveling, they're already, you know, some number of hours into their journey. And the film does a great job of skipping over the sort of things that your mind can fill in the gaps for. And sometimes it doesn't because there's a point to that. But a lot of the times it skips a lot of these superfluous details that aren't necessary, that don't need telling, that don't need showing. And it turns what could have been, you know, shot Lord of the Rings style, a four-hour movie into a two-hour and ten-minute film that feels like a lot more happens than does. Or rather, sure uh, or rather feels like feels like it could have been should have been a lot longer than it is and that's not a bad thing you know you're you're going through so much more as a viewer because so much is cut out 
and it's cut out so well that you know you don't feel like you've lost something you don't feel like there's missing parts to the movie just that it's more succinct just that it's it's giving you and i wouldn't say just the highlights but but on a scale of you know everything in the kitchen sink or just the highlights it's it's much closer to the highlights than it is the opposite side of that spectrum i really enjoyed it <laughs> enjoy you know figuratively speaking uh be, i i liked it it's a very good movie i thought the performances are fantastic aisling sam claflin um and uh bakali ganambar are all great the 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 visually it is a beautiful movie it looks i, I don't know if it was shot on location in australia or just some wilderness somewhere it looks amazing it looks absolutely phenomenal the cinematography is beautiful none of it looks fake it all looks very real very lived in very you know home and um i i had a good tough to say i had a good time with it but like i had a good time with it from a from a film perspective uh and i i'm very pleased with what i've seen out of jennifer kent and i'm excited to see more from her and uh looking forward to her next film so uh the nightingale like i said is a 2018 film for me so it can't technically be part of the circle film awards for this year uh there is a chance that it could come up as one of the um retrospective honorary awards but uh there's that that's about it there's we'll see we'll see what if that if that happens Thank you for listening to today's episode. It does mean a lot. Uh, if you have any thoughts or comments or questions or whatever's about the Nightingale, please share them uh, on Twitter at Circle of Film, email circleoffilm at gmail.com or um, letterboxed at Circle of Film. You can you know, comment on my review. If you would like to find more episodes, iTunes, Stitcher, circleoffilm.com. Uh, you can find that and much other, many other things. Or you can support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe it, tell other people, or just listen. Uh, or you can become a patron at patreon.com slash circle of film for as little as eight cents an episode, uh, where you'll get at least early access to episodes like this one, uh, which came out a day early. Thank you for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight. I know she'll never. Even as she fades from view So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu Nothing's really left or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever, only out of place So long, farewell, oh, I'll be to say Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute So long